Welcome to the Elijah Streams podcast. Our mission is to encourage you in your faith through a unique blend of patriotism and prophecy. And now here's your host, Steve Schultz. Happy Friday. It is Friday, the 15th of September, although you see the clock behind. We are retaping this, although we don't tape things anymore. We record them. Uh, Thursday, we're uh, recording this on Thursday at 2.33 in the afternoon. We're going to bring Cash Patel on in just a few moments. It's been a while since we've had him on the program. We're going to talk about the uh, newest uh, happenings in in and around D.C., concerning D.C., and uh, including what uh, Hunter, Hunter Biden that's been in the news today. So that's going to be great. A quick uh, announcement. We've got our T-shirts and hat just available. Look at this. Now, the, the, the saying on the hat, we're going to show you a close-up in a minute. It says, don't comply with the lie. It's got a needle thing. If you look closely, there's the hat. Don't comply with the lie. And there's a needle thing that goes straight down or straight up. I can't, it's a little far away from me. Uh, so there's the hat, there's the t-shirt, and we have tees for both the men and the women. So they're a different cut. So ladies, if you want, uh, if you want it, you may want to get that version of it. So just, uh, do that, but don't comply with the lie. It talks about, it's, it has to do with both the mask, which is right there on the t-shirt implied with that sort of swoopy mask thing. And then the, uh, the needle thing. So they're great. We, we got our d- design team right on this when we started hearing that they're going to try and put the masks and give us the shots again. And we're not going to have anything with it. Uh, to, we're not going to have any part of it, any of us. So get your heat t-shirts while they last. They'll go pr- pretty fast, I'm pretty sure. So, all right, it's time to bring in Cash Patel. So here we go with Profits and Patriots. Ash Patel, it's about time we had you back on. Yeah, it's been too long, my friend. Thanks. Yeah, for too long. Were you by any chance in Las Vegas a couple weekends ago? Uh, that's my home, so I live there. I oh, saw- I didn't realize you lived there. Oh, well, you would have been there. Were you? Did, were you at that reawaken event? Unfortunately, I was overseas uh, that one weekend. Okay, so I yeah, I I was down there because I didn't go. To, this is only my second one I went to, but uh, but I'll be at the next one in Doral in October. There, Okay, yeah, that's were they at the Doral last time? It was like a year ago, right? Or something. Uh, it was about six months ago, but we're going back October thirteenth and fourteenth. Awesome. Well, maybe I'll see you there. Well, listen, let's talk about Hunter Biden. The hunter, the hunted become <laughs> the hunters become the hunted, right? Yeah. Well, look to me as a former national security prosecutor and federal public defender, it's not really it's not a Republican or Democratic thing. It's a simple due process thing. And when a plea deal falls apart. It doesn't matter why it falls apart, whether the defendant rejects it or there's something flawed in the deal itself, the government should never present it, or the judge rejects it. The rule at the Department of Justice is the same. Once you get past the plea negotiations and they are null and void, you bring the full boat of charges, all of them. Part of the plea negotiation process is to be like, hey, if you uh, don't, uh, if you if you accept responsibility and the government doesn't have to take you to trial and expend all this money and time, we won't charge you with everything. That's how it works. Yeah. But once you're out and Hunter it's, Biden- It's the full force, fire, right? It, they're supposed to get hit between the eyes, basically. That's exactly right. And this isn't a complex rocket science case. It's a gun case. I've handled thousands of gun cases, literally. And it's either you possess the gun or you didn't. It's not rocket science. It ain't clue. It's not who done it. Um, you know, you're not looking for a Colonel Mustard in the library. You actually have all of the evidence. And in this case, they only offered him diversion, Hunter Biden, because they knew they could prove the underlying felony. My question is, what happened to the tax charges? 
it's 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 a slam dunk to charge him with possessing the gun. We know it's a felony. We know right. it's a, we know he should never have been offered diversion because that violates DOJ regulations. Uh, but what happened to the tax charges? And it's five years running. It's not like this I mean, they just- was the Al Capone they got with tax charges. They they throw it at him, and that's what they would obviously use if it's if it's a legit charge, and it is. Well, we 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 don't have to believe you or me or conservative media. The Department of Justice charged him with unlawful tax fraud. And now it's gone. Now, now look, maybe it'll come. But um, to me, when the case is that simple and you've already made the case, because as prosecutors, when you offer a plea deal, you've already proven your case. Yeah. All you have to do is go to a grand jury again and say, OK, we need to add a couple of charges or where's the indictment? And. Where is it? So you're seeing a two-tier system of justice play out, but I think it's a coordinated strike. It's not a coincidence. There's no coincidence in the government that David Ignatius and MSNBC and the New York Times are all calling for Joe Biden not to run. And the next day, his indictment comes out. You know the FBI and DOJ have been leaking to the Washington Post, just like they did during Russiagate, and giving them the goods, the actual information, but they're never going to publish it. They're just going to go to the press and be like, ah, Joe Biden, the savior from Trump. You know, thank you for your 55 years of service. Let's let's move on. You know, if you want to pardon your son, go ahead. But let's move on and let's get the candidate um, that they want, which is Gavin Newsom. You do think they're going to have Gavin, huh? I think that's who they want. Um, I don't think Joe Biden wants to uh, take a knee. Yeah, he certainly has said otherwise. Now, the hard part is going to be the Democrats are going to use the media to mount the public pressure campaign to say, why don't you pardon your son? This DOJ prosecution was brought by a Trump appointee. Never mind that he was referred to by two Democrats, but that's what they'll say. Yeah. And say the only way out of this injustice is if you pardon him and you use the presidential power for what it should be used for, uh, you know, your son, which is yeah. so ironic. But that's what they'll sell to the American people. And a lot of them will buy it and be like, wow, if he would only pardon his son and then. Man, he can't run again, but what, what a dad. Can he, can, you know, can't a president, Chris, if he goes out on the 25th Amendment, then he doesn't have his wits about himself to pardon anyone, including himself. But if he pardons himself first, can't that be done? Can, can Biden pardon himself before they, yeah, before they do the 25th Amendment on him? Well, they can, he can pardon himself or anyone in the, in the country for that matter before an indictment is ever brought. He can okay. pardon himself for all activities related to any conduct. And I don't think he's going to do that. Why, why um, wouldn't he do that? Why, why wouldn't he pardon himself? I mean, Because then he's admitting to the crime, essentially in the public sphere. He's saying, um, I'm pardoning myself because this DOJ is going to charge me and I don't want to go to prison. It's a very hard political argument to win in the public sector to say, well, if you're innocent and you didn't do anything, don't pardon yourself. Yeah. You know, Donald Trump, my... Donald Trump could have pardoned himself. He didn't. Yeah, I know. I remember that. Innocent. And he's fighting the charges and he should not have pardoned himself back then because the system of justice is failing of everyday Americans. And he is showing us on a daily basis how it is targeting people based on politics. And that to me is is a lesson that has to be taught to all Americans, no matter the cost. Yeah. Yeah, I remember my great-grandmother, this is in the 70s, right? And uh, um, 75, I think it was, and Nixon resigned and Ford came on and then pardoned him. So it was almost like him pardoning himself because everybody knew he had had 
court agreed to do that, she was so furious. You can't <laughs> pardon some, and she just she would. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm doing her yard for her, and she's lecturing me about. You know, I was always a, a Nixon supporter and all that, and I hear he, a lot of the deep state came down on him. I just heard that recently. Um, so I don't know really fully what he was guilty of not, but that whole thing of pardoning yourself or or the effect of pardoning yeah. yourself, that's what that's your point right there. So well now you've got a book coming out and uh, you've been trying to tell the story about how why this has taken so long, even though you, you wrote it in three months, right? Yeah, it took me about three months to write. The the problem that we ran into was the Biden administration. You know, former government employees have to submit your manuscripts before they're released. And I get that. I agree with that process. It's supposed to take two to three months. They're just supposed to do a quick check to make sure nobody's private information accidentally slips out. It's totally acceptable. I've been on the other end of that process. We moved it along for thousands of books. Yeah. The Biden administration tried to wormhole my book, my manuscript. Ten months. Ten months. We went back and forth with them. They said, oh, we're looking into national security. and We want to make sure of this and that. And, you know, we haven't heard. They're, they're just playing the game, right? They're sticking it to you. It's not so that we, have to, yeah. we have to hire attorneys. We took the Biden administration to federal court, if you can believe it, just so I can have the rights to my book back wow. and to release it. And here's the cool part. We won. Yeah. And this is the result. I'm holding a first print. Nice. Um, this print is going to be available to everybody for delivery on September 26th, if not earlier. So you go to governmentgangsters.com. I'm doing signed copies right of this book at governmentgangsters.com. If you want the easy button, it's available on Amazon and Walmart too, but check us out at governmentgangsters.com. And I'm very proud that we won and didn't bend the knee. And in it, I put the letter, uh, and I don't think I've actually ever held this up. It's the second page of my book. I've never held it up. It's the letter from the Department of Defense. Okay. Showing, showing how long they took and why they tried to wormhole my manuscript. And we wanted the world to see that. We, wow. we wanted the world to see that it wasn't us. We put the truth out and, 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 you know, a little about the book. Yeah. Look, by the way, can we put up uh, Trump's endorsement for yeah. a moment? Cause that people would want to know that he's, he's behind that book. He's, great, he's a great, obviously a, a mentor. Uh, and I worked for him an ally, a friend. Um, and I've of course endorsed him. I'm his current senior advisor. It's very kind of him to call it the roadmap for getting back to in 2024 and, and, and winning back. Um, our agencies and departments to work for the American people. That's the mission of government gangsters. We, I list every government gangster I encountered in the executive branch in the back of the books by name and title. And I tell everybody what they did to rob America of the FBI, the DOJ. The are there, are there a couple of names that we would, that would surprise us if we saw them? Well, let's, let's have some fun on your show. Yeah, I've, never read, I've do... never read from the index. So let's, okay. let's look at it. Awesome. How about guys like Pat Cipollone? Ryan McCarthy, Mary McCord, Dennis McDonough, Stephanie Grisham, Bruce Orr, Lisa Page. Um, I think some of the other ones you know are pretty familiar. But Lisa I'm Page was this the FBI one? Yeah. Uh, and, yep. And Alexander Bill, Vindman. Uh, struck. Uh, can't yep, think of the exactly. Guy. So, yeah. you know, I list them all. And the point is, wow. I learned from, you know, folks like President Trump, look, everybody can identify the problem. What's the solution? So... I go chapter and verse through our Trump presidency, through my 16 years in government, through things like the Baghdadi raid. We have some fun. We give you the play by play. I was there as head of counterterrorism on that night. And I do it not because I was there, but to show the type of leader Donald Trump. You, you were in the war room or where were you? Yeah, we were in the situation room together okay. when we killed Baghdadi. Wow. And, I, and I and I raised that because that story hasn't been told firsthand because there's only a few of us in there because Donald Trump's leadership on that night was how he led this nation. Um, when it came to our national security mission, when it came to every mission, 
Was it in the best interest of the American public? And the bad actors, the government gangsters that got in the way to try to prevent that mission or prevent a hostage rescue operation or prevent any Donald Trump achievement are outlined and named in this book. And here's the surprising part, Steve. You're probably going to see more Republican names than Democrats. Really? And really? We, we fought them more than we fought the, the, the Democrats. Is it just um, the, the, the word we all would use, everybody uses is rhino. Or is it yeah. just rhinos? Or are there people that were not even thought to be rhinos that were gangsters? I think it's both. I think the government gangsters, you know, the book is about obliterating the deep state. And yeah. I wish I didn't have to write a book about the deep state. Now this deep state is so big, it's in the public sphere. It's not a right-wing conspiracy. We see it every day in the two-tier system of justice and its weaponization. So what I do in Government Gangsters is I supply the country chapter and verse, agency by department, how we fix government, not just personnel in the executive branch. I'm talking strict constitutional oversight from Congress. I'm talking about taking money from the people who violated their oaths of office. I'm wow. talking about jettisoning these government gangsters from the roles of government permanently. Really? I'm talking so about impeaching federal judges who have become government gangsters themselves, like the Judge Shutkins of the world, um, who have weaponized justice. They're supposed to be our check. Our last check has been abolished because these judges care more about, quote unquote, getting Donald Trump than they do about justice. So, But the good news is there's mechanisms in government, if you have a courageous leader like Donald Trump, that you can, you can save our democracy, you can restore our republic, and the roadmap, that, that's what's in here. And I take 220 pages in the back of this book, and in five pages, I give you a quick cheat sheet summary on how to fix all of government and destroy the deep Re state. Really? So really? It's back there, and I hope your guys get uh, it. Is, um, can, can they come up with, and it's probably in your book, but it, uh, that, that when these people are found out and exposed, and I don't know if it takes a court action one at a time, but can they be prevented from even lobbying efforts of any kind, that sort of thing? Because I know Trump talked about not having lobbying lobbyists yeah. right out of government, that they would have to wait five years. But what about if they're if they're the gangsters, that they're proven to be guilty of these things? Well, what you need to be successful in most of those scenarios is a security clearance, especially when you leave government. And the government controls security clearances. Take, for example, the 51 Intel letter, which I talk about, right, which rigged a presidential election unequivocally against Donald Trump for Joe Biden by having 51 intelligence officers, CIA directors, secretaries of defense, NSA directors lie to the American people and say Hunter Biden's laptop was Russian disinformation when they knew it wasn't. They when they got caught, they doubled down. All of those people are out of government, Steve, and they all are making millions because they possess a security clearance. We will strip them of those security clearances, every government gangster on day one, and we will wow. take away the privilege that they have of utilizing it in the private sector to make money. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Streams podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, go to ElijahStreams.com slash give. That will kneecap about 90% of the government gangsters out there. The rest of them we can take away with regulations. We can zero out their budgets. We can work with Congress to take away their billets. And we can work with the leadership and cabinet positions to say, I don't need 20,000 people to do the job that 10,000 people could do. And we will just start zeroing out these government gangsters. It's a combination process. It's really, it's what I'm hearing you talk about. And I've heard Trump talk about different things. They're kind of our common sense solutions that nobody will, nobody will use, but they're kind of like you just said, you strip of, of security clearance. Uh, who would have thought? And then right. <laughs> take their money away from them, take their budgets away, you know? Wow.
why treat them any differently in the public sector from the private sector? If you have a business like you do, yeah. you, if somebody fails you, you fire them. Yeah. And you change I mean, the passwords, you change the passwords, you change their no signature power, no keys, nothing, nothing, you know. And, and in government, the sad reality is if you want a promotion, screw up. If you want a really big promotion, screw up huge. Oh, and we man. see the same government gangsters from Russiagate who launched it are now the heads of the DOJ. And Chris Ray, who covered up the Russiagate scandal, is still the head of the FBI covering up for Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. Those are just two high level examples. But my book shows you how these guys cycle through the government, yeah. entrench themselves in the bureaucracy. And when a Donald Trump comes forward and endangers the swamp, endangers their livelihood and their ability to uh, just matriculate through the swamp, the incest that is. I've seen, and I've seen you mention uh, Chris Ray several times in your promotional. What about uh, people like uh, Bill Barr? Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, but I mean, I've heard that then there's people that said, oh, he's a pl he's a plant with a, for the White Hats. He's actually playing a part and he's going to turn out to be good. What what are your what would you say? Oh, Bill Barr, Mark Esper, Gina Haspel. I talk about all of them, all Trump appointees in my book. They all failed their mission. Gina Haspel launched Russiagate. Gina Haspel, we now find out her CIA was paying analysts to alter documents about the originations of COVID. That just broke a few days ago. The same people. Do you know where Gina Haspel and Rod Rosenstein are currently employed? Well, they need to be get get Mo right now but, is where they need to be. But, but do you know where they're making seven no. figure dollars right now? Chris Ray's old law firm. They both work there. Do you think that's a coincidence? No. Yeah, you no. can't make this stuff up. No. Mark Esper is working in the defense industrial complex, making ten plus million dollars a year with his golden parachute because he promised the defense industrial complex when he was sec deaf, that he would go out. And of course he was a government employee and suddenly he's making 10 million, 10 million. Did you say? Yeah. There's gotta be a way to cut that thing off, you know, because you, I don't know if they can, they can make 10 million. I mean, that seems like it's hard to fix that one. Uh, well, you can, if you are a cabinet secretary or high level defense department official, I talk about the defense industrial complex. I call it the worst organization in Washington. It's worse than every lobbying group combined because they're, they bloat the DOD budgets and they all say it in the name of the defense of the nation. And a lot of it is, but a lot of it is not. And we have to prevent former high-level DOD officials from going out and yeah. parachuting into those places. Yeah. They have made it a career to cycle officers through their ranks and back into DOD and back out. Who do you think is diverting these contracts to the Boeings and Lockheeds and Northrop? All the people that used to work for them that go get high level jobs and then they go right back after yeah. they give them a $10 billion contract. This we can might eliminate be that process. It could be outside the purview of your book, but I don't know if it may or may not be. But the people that that uh, are become multi multi millionaires getting sweetheart, sweetheart insider stock trading deals. Uh -huh. And I think uh, it's I mean, nobody even questions that as far as uh, Pelosi anymore. Everybody knows that's what she did. Uh, is any of that? part of your book or is it just sort of a cousin to the, all of that corruption that needs to also be dealt, dealt yeah, with? Yeah. You're talking about the insider trading, which Congress basically does on a daily basis. And there's this really cool um, social media group called unusual whales and they track every trade really every high ranking member of Congress makes. So the public has it. It's a really interesting way to track what the insider trading criminals in Congress are doing. They have wow. the access to the budgets. They have the access to the contracts. They have the access to what companies they're going to use and fund. And these people are making zillions of dollars 
and no one and accountability. That's a core concept of government gangsters, not outward accountability, but inward. How can we have the richest people in America serve in Congress and only enrich themselves further by illegally trading stocks on insider information? Pelosi does it. Are you telling me like people like Strauss or excuse me, that Goldman guy who's the Strauss heiress and AOC, they don't do. How do they go from AOC goes from uh, being worth one hundred thousand dollars to seven million? Yeah. Uh, and everyone knows how young she is. She what, certainly looks young. Where did money come from? Yeah, when all she did is speak up and, and get be obnoxious yeah. for a few years, and suddenly she's a multimillionaire. The big banks are coming in for them, and they're funding the big banks. It's a two-way highway robbery system, and there has to be – that's another thing in here. Not only do we have to shut it down, we've got to put term limits on Congress. We've got yeah. to shut down the insider trading, and we've got to punish people for doing it, yeah. not everyday Americans. You can't say as the Washington, D.C. swamp monsters, we're going to prosecute you guys for doing the very things we're doing every day. That is the height of hypocrisy, and it's what's tearing apart this country. And my book focuses on internal governmental accountability because it's been absent for far too long, whether it's at DOJ, FBI, DOD, the intel community. And on, do you have any time. thoughts on, you know, when the young freshmen come in and with all uh, idealized, maybe by the time most of them arrive, they're not idealists anymore. <laughs> they've already been corrupted. But how do we keep the young freshmen coming into Congress from – from just becoming so quickly corrupted and being part of the problem instead of part of the solution. Um, is that all the same kind of subject? Yeah, we, we have to elect a new class of individuals who are going to champion these matters in Congress and agree to pledges before they go into Congress that they will never insider trade. And if they see someone doing it, they will report them to yeah. the Department of Justice. We have to get those people marshalling into Washington, D.C. We haven't demanded that of our officials. They just run on it saying, oh, I'm going to go clean up the swamp generally. But then they go in there and they do the very same thing. So we have to publicly demand that as of any House representative, Senate candidate, anybody that's running right now. Our our people should be demanding they say in public that they will agree to term limits, that they will agree to uh, prohibit insider trading, that they will agree to report any member Good. of Congress that is breaking the law. And that if they see anyone doing anything that is unconstitutional. They will refer them to not just House Ethics, but the DOJ. And we need that publicized. And that's what we're not demanding from our elected. I know you just have a couple more minutes here because we need to get you out of here in the 25 minutes that we uh, you promised us. So, and I appreciate you making yourself available to us because I know you're very busy. What can you talk about Trump and all these indictments, four indictments, most of them were telegraphed way in advance. Trump seemed to know about every one of them before they hit. From what <laughs> I could see, he would announce them, and including the day it was going to happen, which tells us that Trump knows, tells me anyway, Trump is pretty knowledgeable about what's going on. But uh, they're trying to get these trials to happen before the election or during the election. What, what kind of stuff would you like to talk about on that? The central theme there, and, and it's what I, you know, discuss with President Trump all the time is that we have to destroy the two-tier system of justice. Yeah. That is going to be a central tenant of anybody who's going to win the presidency in 2024, in my opinion. And it's not a right-wing conspiracy. You know, when Russiagate started, people were like, oh, you guys are crazy. The FBI and DOJ would never lie. They would never bury evidence. They would never go after innocent people. And now we've seen that not just happen there, but we've seen it in January 6th. We've seen it, how it subverts democracy in impeachment one, two, the 51 Intel letter, Hunter Biden's laptop, his felony charges today, five years too late. America is seeing how the federal government 
is weaponizing justice. Now enter Donald Trump and his four indictments. We're seeing it at the state level in Georgia and New York. We're seeing it from the bench. The judiciary is permitting this hijacked system of justice to permeate through our country because it is a quote unquote, get Trump scheme. And as Donald Trump has always said, they're coming after you. He's just in the way. That's not a campaign slogan anymore. That is an everyday reality. If you dare to go to a house of worship, if you dare to say you are a Trump supporter and America first guy, you're labeled a domestic violent terrorist. You're hunted down by the FBI. What kind of America are we living in? And what America is waking up to, especially the middle of the voting block, which I think is critical to the next election, putting aside whether you like or dislike Donald Trump, you've seen what Joe Biden has done to our economy and our country. And now you're seeing what that political vendetta is doing to Donald Trump. They are creating crimes. And listen, remember, they said for years, Donald Trump's an insurrectionist. Donald Trump possessed classified information. Donald Trump's a seditionist. And when they got to power and they had the opportunity to charge Donald Trump with insurrection, sedition, and possession of classified documents, they didn't charge him with any of it. They made up whole cloth new crimes and used statutes that are 150 years old to say, oh, yeah, but, you know, he did this and that. And even though we didn't prosecute presidents before because we weren't allowed to, it's Trump. So we're just going to do it anyway. You know, you have presidential privilege being crushed. You have Bill Clinton and the sock drawer case, which exposes the law that a president can take literally whatever he wants. And whether you agree or disagree with that is not a criminal decision. It's a free speech First Amendment decision that must be adjudicated at the polls. Are we ever going to live in a country that says if someone loses an election, the other party can't say they thought they won? I mean, is, is that really where we're going? Hillary Clinton did it. Uh, Hakeem Jeffries did it. Nancy Pelosi did it. And half the Democratic caucus did it. And it's Donald Trump's right to say now and forever he won the 2020 election. Yes. That's not criminal. But they've yes. criminalized the thought process and the freedom of speech that's encapsulated in our First Amendment. And everyday Americans, Steve, I believe are coming around in droves. They're listening to your great show instead of the mainstream media garbage that they see and read every day and saying, these people lied to us. Yeah. I might not be all in with the um, movement that you guys are talking about, but I'd rather be in that movement than a yeah. government that doesn't police itself and lies yeah. to people. One last question. Do you do you believe, it's just an opinion uh, maybe, but uh, that when this is all said and done, all the court cases have been, have happened, whether it's before or after the election, do you believe that's going to be shown that Trump not only won 2020, but won most of the states? What, what do you, what can you say about that? Well, you know, what I say about that is the only thing I care about is going forward. I wish I had a time machine and could go back and fix 2020, right. And, and have Donald Trump be president, but I'm also a man of faith and I believe things happen for a reason. So as much as I wanted Donald Trump to be president in 2020, I think God's plan is a little different. We are exposing so much corruption right now, and we would not have done it had Joe Biden not been the president. And we are showing the world the calamitous failures of a drastically foolish commander in chief and what that cost us on the American stage. I mean, we just gave six billion dollars to the Ayatollahs in Iran to fund terrorism. That's a stark reality. People are waking up and seeing that, hey, we can't mail it in every two to four years. We got to mobilize every single day. From now until the next election, all 417 days. So my focus, and I think President Trump's focus is to win so big because they don't have the best policy, Steve. What border policy is better that they have? What policy to take on Russia and China is better? What policy to wipe out terrorists? 
How about their negotiation of hostages? It's horrific. They don't have the better policies. What they have is the hate and the lies. And that's what they're going to keep spewing. But I think if we do our jobs behind Donald Trump, we are going to see a drastic resurgence yeah. in people's love for this country. And we're going to win so big at the polls that no amount of election rigging or theft good, is going good, to matter. That's good. my goal. Good. And I agree with that. Cash, thank you so much. Talk, talk about the Cash Foundation there. What, what, how, how can people support you at the Cash Foundation? Yeah, thanks so much. I'll just mention it briefly. Look, it's my 501c3. Um, we've given away over $125,000 to people in need. Uh, we've given it to Jan 6 families. We've given it to veterans, to active duty military. We've set up a scholarship. We've helped um, pay for kids' tuitions in uh, summer camps. Whatever your housing needs are, we've set up um, campaigns to help whistleblowers who have bravely come forward and been robbed of their right <laughs> to serve this country. And, and we're helping them pay their rent and pay their kids' tuition. We're always going to help do that. That's the cashfoundation.com. Give what you can. The cool thing is we've got the best merch next to the Steve. Next to Steve. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, over there. Uh, go check it out. All Good. the proceeds go back to the 501c3. The board makes no money. Good. We send it right out the door. So check us out. I appreciate that very much. And uh, speaking of that, the merch and all that, they're telling me that, that they do not comply with the lie t-shirts and hats. If you look in the description underneath uh, the screen, that will, there will be a clickable link that you can go to on that. Cash, thank you very much. We'll have you back soon, I hope, and uh, not, not so long in between. Have a great day, and we will see you all next time. Bye-bye. This has been Elijah Streams. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can listen to the Elijah Streams podcast at ElijahStreams.com on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Join us live every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific time at ElijahStreams.com on Rumble and Facebook. Elijah Streams is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahStreams.com slash give to become a partner today.